0: Good morning. So today we celebrate the Feast of Ascension. Now normally this feast is celebrated 40 days after Easter, which would have been last Thursday. But many dioceses like ours moves the feast to this Sunday in order that it's easier for the faithful to celebrate and commemorate the bodily ascension of Jesus into heaven. And it's been throughout the centuries that artists have given us so many renderings of this event most often showing the eyes of the crowd looking upward to the sky as Jesus ascends on a cloud. And the imagery reflects the cosmology of the times when the Gospels were written, the heaven above, earth centered around Jerusalem, and the underworld below. Actually, it was thought that humans looking up at the blue sky were witnessing the floor of heaven that was laid out and made of blue lapis lazuli. That would have been pretty cool. So a departure to heaven could have only been envisioned in terms of literally being taken up. But if we look at the scripture, at the gospels that address the ascension, it's no surprise that we do find some conflicts. So the gospel of Luke has Jesus ascending the same day that he was resurrected. Now the author of Luke, who wrote Acts, in the first reading that we just heard, the Ascension takes place 40 days later. The corresponding scene in Matthew ends with the Great Commission, of the disciples being sent forth to baptize everyone in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but there's really no mention of the actual Ascension. And in the account that I just read from Mark, there's a general consensus that those final lines which say that Jesus was taken up to heaven, well, they were added at a much later date. In John's gospel, was Jesus making three references to the ascension without giving a specific account of the event. But I believe it's John that gives us the line that opens up for us the best way to get into the deeper meaning of what ascension means to you and I. When Christ says, it's good for you that I'm going away. For unless I go away, the Spirit cannot come to you. So, in essence, Jesus seems to be making a connection between absence and presence. That it's necessary for absence to take place before we can be open to presence. But kind of when you think about it, doesn't that kind of ring true? I mean, after all, how common is it for us to be blinded in what we have and who we have in our lives? How easy is it for to take for granted people who are in our lives every day and kind of stop appreciating them and when they're gone you realize how much you miss them and what they meant to you. So absence and presence they seem to be terms that are co-related in as much as one needs absence before one can appreciate presence. I think another word for this is just suffering when we don't have what we want or who we want in our lives and We feel incomplete, where we long for reunion, for wholeness, for companionship, to have the one we love back in our arms. In short, we yearn for a peace that the world cannot give. And so it seemed that Jesus needed to leave his disciples, to ascend back to God, whereby the disciples in the world could experience the absence of the physical Christ, thereby creating a hole in our lives, one that feels like an emptiness, a yearning, a desire, a longing. In doing so, God creates this barren space within us that only God can fill. And then, how often does God take us to the edge of where we feel what we can handle and we're lost in total powerlessness, and we're ready to just give up, only then for him to be made known to us, ready to sustain us, ready to love us, to hold us, dwell within us, to feed us, whereby desolation then leads to consolation, where death leads to resurrection, where doubt leads to knowing, where darkness leads to light, where ascension, leads the presence. So where most of us have grown up with this concept of ascension simply being this historical time where Jesus hopped onto a cloud and rose up to the sky to rejoin his Father, this feast day really teaches us so much more about our life and about our loving God. For the resurrection and ascension of Christ is not a one-time miracle but rather a revelation of a universal pattern that's so hard for us to see at times. Jesus made it clear. He needed to leave in order that we would feel his presence, in order to open our hearts and minds and souls to the daily presence of this spirit, to where we can experience a deeper union with God and never ever feel abandoned. But like most things in life, it's not either or. It's not just a matter of absence or presence. Rather, mostly it's a lifetime journey of living this paradox of the in-between, in the midst of doubt and tension, of living in the unknowing of this liminal space. But it's the exact space of our lives where faith is formed and hope is cultivated and love is needed. And it's all focused on not so much on what is seen but on what is unseen, the dependence on God and the graces given to us. Spiritual writer Parker Palmer best sums it up when he wrote this. The deeper our faith, the more doubt we must endure. The deeper our hope, the more prone we are to despair. The deeper our love, the more pain its loss will bring. And these are a few of the paradoxes we must hold as human beings, for if we refuse to hold them in the hope of living without doubt, despair and pain, we will also find ourselves living without hope, faith and love. So my sisters and brothers, While Christian art gives us the images of Jesus ascending on a cloud to be with his Father, this Feast of the Ascension reminds us that loss and suffering is not evidence of God's absence, but rather of God's presence. That God works through our wounds and our cracks and our blemishes, meeting us where we are broken in order to lift us up so that one day we will be rejoined to the Christ in a place where there is total presence, in a place that's filled with divine love, the place that Christ has gone in order to prepare a place for each and every one of us.